0: We chat about the heartwarming film Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, our actor of the week, Leslie Manville, and the news in Hollywood that Henry Cavill will not be reprising his role as Superman. I have some thoughts about that, so stay tuned. to the very first episode of Film Folly. My name is Amanda Rose and I'm so excited to have all of you here. If you haven't given the trailer episode a listen yet, I'll give you a quick overview of what the Film Folly podcast is all about. So pretty much think of Film Folly as a book club for movies and TV. I want to dive further into our emotional reactions we have to movies and TV and have nuanced conversations about films. We all have our likes and dislikes, but there's so much more to it than just that. So let's talk about it. Why do we like or not like a film? Let's share our deeper reactions, and we'll probably discover that we all bring our life experiences to the table, and I think that is always interesting. It's where all the good stuff is, really. I keep saying we, and that's because I want to hear from you, my friends, all of you write into the podcast, or send me a voice memo and share your thoughts. I'll play your voice memo or read your email on the show, and that will probably spark a lot of really great conversation. It's important to hear different views and experiences of a film, so send me your thoughts. I can't wait to hear them. I'll also be getting into other topics related to films like Hollywood news, pop culture, and I have a segment that called actors of the week so stay tuned for that so before we move on i'll tell you a little bit about myself that way we aren't strangers moving forward and we have a little bit of an idea of who i am <laughs> so um about me i have a degree in art studies and my relationship with film i grew up watching a lot of movies and tv shows Movies in particular, I would say. Um, not that I was opposed to a really great TV show. Let's be honest, I watched a lot of both, but <laughs> but uh, uh, I found, you know, as a as a kid of the, I would say my formidable years were in the nineties. So take that for what you will. As far as dating myself. Um, but, uh, movies and TV was a primary form of entertainment for me in my childhood growing up and in my family. I grew up with a single mom and, um, my parents were divorced. So I found a lot of escapism in movies and TV. And I I don't think I'm the only one who, who does that, Uh, you know, looking back at it and, my habits now, emotional escapism with movies and TV, I think is pretty common. So that is kind of where I'm working from here. I really want to kind of explore that and. Really just kind of see where it takes us, you know? I want to have some good conversations. I know I mentioned that in the intro. Uh, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I don't know. I, I enjoy me some good conversation and some nuance about movies and TV, as opposed to just looking up reviews and seeing the percentage on uh, Rotten Tomatoes or any other IMDb reviews and things like that yeah i I love to look at the reviews, of course, but I have found that sometimes I deviate from from that, and you know obviously reviews aren't set in stone but It'd be really nice to kind of explore the topics that are brought up in films, how those topics really touch us. What does it remind us of in our own lives? And, you know, how does the movie leave you? How does it affect you? How does it make you think of something differently? Does it open your worldview a little bit more? Or does it make you sad make you happy? You know, what, what effects does the movie have on you or the TV show? You know, it's, it's fascinating to me. And for a period of time, I was thinking about going back uh, to school for my master's in art therapy. (laughs) You can kind of tell that's where I'm leaning towards with, the Film Folly podcast. It's uh, art therapy in a way but with movies and TV. So instead of painting we're talking about our feelings and we're talking about how movies and TV affect us. Sometimes you know we just want to watch a movie or a TV show and really not have to have too much emotional baggage put on us through the movie and we just want it for pure entertainment sake. And then other times we want all the heavy stuff. We want all that. And, and it really just depends on our mood. So um, that's where I'm going with this podcast, just to elaborate a little bit more and kind of see where it takes us. So that's where I'm coming from. I hope you guys find that intriguing and look forward to having some some really great conversations. So I hope you write in or send me a memo. I think uh, a voice memo that is. (laughs) This is an office space. I don't want you to like fax me a memo or anything like that. So Uh, Anyway, Office Space, another movie we should talk about. So with all that out of the way, let's dive into our first featured movie for the week. As I mentioned in the trailer for the podcast, the film this week is Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. Available on Peacock or on Amazon Prime Video. Just know moving forward, if you haven't seen the movie, there may be some spoilers. I'm going to try not to give the ending away, but I feel like the movie itself kind of leads you in that direction. So you'll probably know just from the conversation I'm going to have about the, the movie where the ending is going to end up. (laughs) So just keep that in mind. There are going to be some spoilers. Let's just move forward. (laughs) Okay, so I will say that usually how I like to enjoy a movie, I like to make it into a little event. So oftentimes, the way I wind down for the week, we all have our self-care things. Um, my way to uh, wind down for the week, usually on a Friday, I will pick out a movie or a couple movies. And I usually get comfy and cozy on my couch with a glass of wine, Um, often a bowl of white cheddar popcorn, that's my fave, and a cozy blanket. So you know, and of course, now is Christmas time. Um, Holidays in general, I have a Christmas tree up. So I like to, Get all the mood lighting going. It's dark and cozy in the living room with some Christmas lights all aglow uh, in the living room. So anyways, I thought I'd set the scene for you guys. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, so to start off, Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. It takes place in London in 1957. And the main actress, Leslie Manville. And she does a wonderful job as the main character. Um, as Mrs. Harris in this film. So she was actually nominated for a Golden Globe nomination for Best Actress for this film for Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, which I was very surprised and happily surprised. It's a wonderful feel good, follow your dreams kind of movie and we'll get into it. The main character, Mrs. Harris, appears to be a middle-aged housekeeper. She seems kind and giving with her clients and her friends. However, the people she cleans houses for treat her poorly and try to take advantage of her kindness. She has a positive front-facing demeanor, but a sadness over the loss of her husband, who is deemed missing in action from the war. But her sadness seems to be not just over the loss of her husband, but possibly the loss over herself by letting her dreams fade away with her hopefulness for her husband's return, overshadowing everything else in her life. After years of her husband missing in action, she ends up receiving a widow's pension and decides to embark on a journey to follow her own dreams. Mrs. Harris's dream is sparked when one of her clients brings home a beautiful, Dior gown that she finds in the closet when she's cleaning. And she's just awestruck. She's enchanted right away by the beautiful dress. She just can't believe it. And it it sparks a fire in her that we see moving forward th- through the rest of the movie and a determination in her that is very admirable. We also see in the film that she is an experienced seamstress herself. So we'd know that she has really healthy appreciation for finely made clothing. And it kind of makes you wonder if, if she took different turns in her life, if maybe she would have been a designer or something along those lines, because she does mend clothing on the side uh, for people in order to make extra money. Now, of course, I'm in no way suggesting that she regrets the lovely life that she had with her husband um, prior to him being in the war. I'm sure she talks of her husband with such fond, loving memories, so I'm sure she has no regrets. I'm talking about her like she's a real person, but, you know, in this movie, she's she's real. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, she obviously is very much in love with her husband and um, brings him up frequently with her friend. Um, Speaking of her friend, who is played by Ellen Thomas, who's a great actress in this, there's a scene in particular where, I don't know, kind of uh, struck me because it's a very short line, but it really struck me and kind of sat with me, and I think it's something that probably resonates with people she says to her friend her friend Vi quote that's what we are Vi the invisible women <laughs> and her friend disputes this for herself but Mrs. Harris clearly thinks this of herself We kind of see her in certain points in the movie where she seems very depressed she locks herself in her in her flat doesn't want to have any contact with friends uh, for several days, we don't know the exact period of time, but it's insinuated that it's for an extended period of time to the point where her friends come and knock on her door and actually bust through her door in order to make sure she's okay. And you know, I mentioned earlier when I first started talking uh, about uh, kind of giving a a back overview of of the movie is she's a middle aged woman and. I bring that up not because I'm trying to throw any shade at that. I'm bringing that up because I think it's really wonderful that we have a main character who's middle-aged. We're seeing that more and more these days. Um, A lot of women who are middle-aged and older, they're being the focus and main characters in films and television. There's a lot more roles nowadays for women who are older, you know, not in their 20s or, or, or whatnot. So it's great to see that more. It's really wonderful to see that here. I think the actress Leslie Manville really does a wonderful job really creating depth, emotion. You know, she, she shows her the happy face that Mrs. Harris puts on, but then she can immediately go into that sadder place That almost seems like private moments that no one else gets to see, but we're kind of living in her world at the same time. So um, that line that I mentioned, I I feel like a lot of people can relate to, a lot of women in particular who are of middle age or older, um, you know, sometimes we feel like we can be not seen a lot of the time. I don't know if anyone else can relate to that. I'm, you know, I'm not middle-aged yet, but (laughs) I'm inching closer, ever closer. Um, I'm currently 38. So, but I appreciate um, them kind of putting a a little bit of a subtle spotlight on that. It's something I feel a lot of women can relate to. And even me being uh, age 38 that I am now, I, I can relate to that now even. So, yeah, I just wanted to point that part out. Mrs. Harris later gets a visitor from the military. At this visit, she invites him in and they, and offers tea. They sit at the table, and uh, I thought it was really interesting. Since she has such skill with uh, sewing, she has, and this is one of the things that I probably notice, and maybe some do not, but she has this teapot on her table that has a knitted teapot warmer, over the top of it so it's like a a sweater for her teapot which I know I know people have and I just I find it so funny that she you know is in love with this beautiful Dior gown and she (laughs) And uh, it's just uh, so cute to me that she has a a teapot that has a sweater. (laughs) I know it it keeps the the tea warmer for longer, obviously, but I'm a tea drinker myself, so I I get it. (laughs) So anyways, that was a side note. So she invites the the man from the military in and he informs her that the military has officially declared her husband uh, deceased and they giving her a widow's pension, which is very surprising to her. She was not expecting it. She has some means now to fulfill one of her dreams. So that sparks a fire in her. Well, she also is, of course, mourning the loss of her husband, who I think deep down she already knew that he was deceased. But, you know, she, of course, you know, is saddened by the news. Um, It also motivates her and gives her some some courage to follow the dreams that, that she's been wanting to do. So she has some money and she wants to continue to save and gather more funds to go on her trip to Paris to fulfill her goal of getting a beautiful Dior gown. She goes to work the next day, and one of her uh, more difficult clients in particular who she cleans house for? You can tell that this woman has not been paying. Uh, Mrs. Harris it gets up the courage to ask to have her be paid in full. You know she hasn't been paid in a while, and she confronts the woman. In response, the the woman says that uh, she's going to reduce her hours. Mrs. Harris just feels dumbfounded, and you can. See with the look on her face that you know this is devastating for her because now this is a hold up in trying to save additional funds to go to paris, and uh it probably makes her feel even more small than what she has, like I mentioned before, she had that uh comment of feeling unseen or invisible a lot of the times and You know, when you're working really hard for someone and, you know, doing all you can, you can tell in the beginning of the movie, she really is a a good housekeeper. She's very attentive and she is good at her job. And, you know, when people don't treat you right and you don't get paid for the the good work that you're doing, uh, it would make anyone feel uh, unvalued. So she gets the idea to then go i don't know if this is a good idea obviously her friends don't think it is (laughs) they try to persuade her not to go through with it but she her and her friends go to dog races and it's her friend vi and uh, her friend archie her male friend archie who works at the dog racetrack and She is there with Vi and she sees, she sees that one of the dogs has a name. And let me look here. Hot Couture. (laughs) So she feels as though it's a sign from her newly confirmed deceased husband that she should bet on this dog. And uh, it's a sign from him. And so she puts all of her money on this dog and when the races start the dog starts to do really well and then all of a sudden for some reason or another I'm not familiar with dog racing but the dog just decides to like go in the opposite direction or just stops all of a sudden (laughs) and uh ends up losing and she's just she can't believe it because she thought for sure this was a a for sure thing. I mean, it was a sign from her husband, as she was thinking, because, you know, the the dog was named something that she feels as though her husband would have sent her that message, because it's something she would recognize so well. It's an awful feeling for her, you can tell, and her friend Archie calls her a dreamer. And, you know, you're a dreamer, and it, it's an awful feeling to be called a dreamer and know you haven't lived up to these dreams, right? Uh, again, it's another example of feeling small, just feeling unaccomplished, knowing that you could be doing something, but you have, you you just can't get yourself there for some reason, or, you know, you've tried and tried and failed. And uh, it it's, it's emotionally draining, I'm sure. This was her leap of faith. It didn't pan out. But luckily, her friend Archie, there's there's a little love interest there, you can tell. They seem to really care for one another. So, you know, you kind of wonder later on in the movie if anything's going to happen there. Um, but her friend Archie tells her after she's sitting alone, um, just wanting some time to herself in the... The stands you know after everyone has left Archie comes up to her and says he took her bet and placed it on another dog actually winning her the winning her big big money like he put the money that she was going to, you know that she put down on the losing dog, and put it on the winning dog. She can't believe it. So she is now able to go and make her dreams come true. And thank goodness for wonderful friends who are (laughs) looking out for you. So that's, that I thought was incredibly sweet. Uh, You know, Archie works at the, the dog races. So he knew in advance, you know, what dog was probably thought to to win you know he probably knew all the stats and everything like that and he really did her a favor although i i don't know if that's exactly legal but <laughs> he was uh very sweet and helped her out so um mrs harris then goes to to france she travels there She's in awe on the plane, even going there. (laughs) She, you can tell she's just full of excitement. She gets off the plane and she goes straight there. And um, she walks in there with all the confidence that she should have. And, you know, feeling so good about herself. She, you know, tells them that she wants to buy a dress and she's there. That's what she's there to do. And unfortunately, she ends up getting pretty womaned. (laughs) So she, you know, she's there and they look her up and down and they see what she's wearing. And they see that she, you know, I, I don't know, maybe in their minds, they're thinking she's a plain looking woman or something like that, or someone who isn't able to afford any of the the gowns in the in the shop, so they they try and turn her away. In particular, the main shop manager, I guess, is what I would call her, or her shop director, <laughs> who you know really turns her nose. She's kind of the villain of the movie. But Missus Harris will not be turned away. She, you know, I'm feeling as I'm watching it, so proud of her you know she's sticking up for herself and she will not be unseen and i think that is that's a beautiful thing in front of all you know people around her and everything she takes out all of the money that she brought for this dress and she throws it on the the desk of the woman who's trying to shoe her out of the fashion house and proving that she has all the money she needs to buy any gown in the shop, and it's really inspiring. I just loved that moment, and all the shop workers were and, and models were taken aback, and uh, they were like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe it." <laughs> It was really, it was really kind of cool to see because it's, uh, it's real money, presumably because their rich clients that they have only pay on credit. And it's kind of insinuated that all their rich clients really haven't been paying their bills. And so the fashion house is actually in financial trouble. So for them to see this woman who is like, hey, I'm going to pay cash. It's kind of exciting. <laughs> They're like, "Oh, maybe there's hope for us to stay open yet." Luckily, there's a kind man who is a customer there, and it, it the movie kind of implies that he has been a regular customer and and there's several people there for a fashion show of the season's uh dresses that are going to be out. For purchase for the season so he's there for for the fashion show and he kind of takes her under his wing and he says you know come with me i'll i'll show you around and we'll i'll take you under my wing pretty much he doesn't say it in those words but those are my words as the fashion show is going on he helps her figure out how to actually you know order a dress what to do You know, um, you write down the the dresses that you're interested in, and those are the ones that you pursue and give to them. So he shows her all, all the ropes and explains things to her and is very sweet. The look on her face while these dresses are coming out is just, she seems to be in just awe and just inspired. You get the sense that everything in her life that she's gone through, all of her hardships... All of the the people who have treated her unkindly and tried to take advantage of her kindness. You know, everything has been leading up to this moment where she's in control of her life. She's following her dreams and she is just on cloud nine. <laughs> it's beautiful to see. She, you know, with every dress that comes out, she's just like, oh my God um it's it's wonderful to see how excited she is because it's it's great to witness someone's dreams coming true in a way so that's really wonderful so the staff are really loving Mrs. Harris she makes her her choice for her dress she turns in uh turns it in the staff are just they're inspired by her determination Uh, to spend all of her money on this Dior gown. She goes in for measurements and the dress, um, she's informed, will take a week to make. And she was not expecting that at all. You know, I think she was thinking, oh, you know, I'll get it. And, you know, there'll be some tweaks. And then I'll be able to take it and then go home. (laughs) But there's a lot of care and uh, precision that goes into these gowns. And it's specially made for her and all of her measurements. So she, in a panic, trying to figure out what she's gonna do because she only brought so much money for her trip she has no place to go luckily a man that works at the fashion house uh his name is andre played by the actor uh lucas uh bravo and um i've seen him a couple times before i think he was also in the tv show oh now it escapes me oh yes Yes, it's called Emily in Paris. So he plays one of the love interests in, in that show. So you might recognize him from, from that. Um, but anyways, he um, I don't know exactly what he does. Um, he works at the fashion house. He seems to have a, a somewhat prominent um, position there, although still under the main manager, a uh, woman who is not very nice. Uh, he offers uh, um, a place to stay for her. He, like all the other shop workers, has really fallen in love with her and her determination and her dream to buy this dress. And he's very much charmed by her. So he offers a place for her to stay. I think he says it's his sister's um, flat that is not in use at the moment or something. (laughs) okay sounds great so she she takes up his offer the wonderful model Natasha seems to really have also been charmed by uh, Mrs. Harris and her goals and everything like that and her determination so uh, she offers to um, drive Mrs. Harris to the the apartment and help her out uh, with just kind of talking about the city as she drives her there and beautiful Paris. And and they just converse and they start to become friends as the two of them talk on their drive over to the apartment. You can tell Natasha is wanting more out of life too. And I think that's why uh, she finds such um, inspiration from Mrs. Harris, wants to get close to her and just sees herself in some some way you can tell by uh, some of the actions and some of the dialogue that Natasha has in the film that she's well read uh, she's well educated uh, whether or not that's through formal schooling or through her own education that she has provided to herself through reading and study but you're you see you kind of understand through uh, the course of the movie, that Natasha is wanting more than just modeling. And while modeling is great, um, but you can tell that she she wants something more. And there is a little um chemistry, I guess you can say, between her and Andre. They seem very smitten with each other, and very nervous around each other. Not only is Andre being kind in letting mrs harris you know stay at the the flat but also you can't help but kind of wonder if he's also doing it to impress natasha a little bit <laughs> yeah they they bump into each other um you know mrs harrison fights natasha in and and immediately just <laughs> starts cooking and cleaning <laughs> and uh which is really cute and she just can't help herself. Natasha is played by the actress uh, Alba uh, Baptista, I believe. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. I believe she is from uh, Portugal, I believe. Yeah, she's a Portuguese actress. I have seen her previously in the, the show on Netflix called Warrior Nun, which uh, just came out with season two. I saw season one and really loved it, so... Uh, I have not seen season two yet, but uh, if it's as good as the first season, I'm sure I'll love it. We'll, maybe we'll talk about that one uh, a little later on another episode of the podcast. I did really enjoy it. Through the course of the movie, uh, she forms a stronger and stronger friendship with Natasha and Andre and she ends up encouraging their romance. Uh, Andre hasn't made you know his feelings known to Natasha and vice versa. She encourages Andre to do so with Natasha and he eventually does. It's really sweet to see the two in their romance kind of blossom. Um, You know we don't they don't go too deep into the the relationship, but you just know that it's something that Mrs. Harris has, you know, encouraged and she brought two people together who seem to really be compatible and care for one another. And it's just another example of Mrs. Harris her generosity to her friends. Again, that's it's something that's very uh, admirable. Also, while Mrs. Harris spends her two weeks uh, getting fitted for her Dior gown, she also forms a, a friendship and bond with the man who took her under her wing uh, initially and showed her the ropes during the fashion show. His name in the film, uh, and I'm not going to do the whole name because it's, it's French and I'm, I don't even know how to pronounce the last name, but he's the Marquis is what I'm going to, uh, I'll shorten it. Uh, he's the Marquis and you can tell he's a very wealthy man. He invites Mrs. Harris out. He's also in, again, I, I guess I'm repeating myself here. He's, he's enchanted by Mrs. Harris and her determination and, uh, he invites her out to dinner and a show. They have a good time. So much so that Mrs. Harris drinks a little too much and she uh, arrives uh, late to her fitting the next day. And one of the designers for uh, that fashion house, and he's insulted by Mrs. Harris's tardiness. And he starts to turn his nose up and refuses to continue making her dress because She has insulted him by arriving late, apparently. I think it's kind of ridiculous, but, you know. The shop director or manager, who in the film, her name is uh, Claudine. She's the really mean one who wouldn't, uh, was trying to shoo her away and and was trying to pretty woman her out of the shop. (laughs) She calls Mrs. Harris into her office and she says that she will have Mrs. Harris's dress made, but she needs to answer a question that she poses to Mrs. Harris. She asks, where will you wear this dress? Cleaning floors? Question mark. Uh oh, that's insulting. She even kind of claims that Mrs. Harris is invisible and tells her, what's the point in even wearing this dress? Um, Mrs. Harris replies with, it's my dream. And uh, Claudine says to her, you may buy your dream, but what will you do with it? And this, you can tell by her facial expressions uh, of Mrs. Harris, and you can tell this really takes her aback. She's really being confronted with, once I achieve this dream, what is there for me? What what, what do I do then? <laughs> And I think uh, I think we all kind of struggle with that. Even if we meet our goals, usually there's there's always some some other goal afterwards or 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 sometimes there's not. And we feel lost. And I think Mrs. Harris at that moment is being confronted with, well, what what do I do next? She doesn't have the lingering hope for her husband's return anymore. She doesn't have that to lean on. Uh, to To set her emotional hat on as an excuse to not move forward with her life, <laughs> I I think we all can relate to that in some ways. Sometimes we we give ourselves excuses to not participate in life because of something um, that's in our way or pre- something that's presumed to be in our way. When really it's just ourself or it's just us needing to be honest with ourselves or us just needing to take the time to figure out what it is we really want to do and how we want to continue and what other goals can we achieve or uh you know a variety of different things so this was a kind of a striking moment for me in the film and kind of a turning point. So she continues to um, get her fitting, you know, over the, the course of the next couple days. And the Marquis invites her to his home for I think it's like afternoon tea, it seems like. But regardless, he invites her over. You can tell by his surroundings in his home that he's very, very wealthy. He opens up to Mrs. Harris and is actually vulnerable with with her and says that he was bullied in school. And he admits that he had a, uh, a connection in his heart towards her when he saw her kind of being bullied by Claudine, being refused service. And he related to that mistreatment um, just from him in his boyhood uh, being bullied himself. But, uh, and, you know, she, you can see that the sparks are starting to ignite between the two of them. And he seems very interested in her. But it takes a real sharp turn. (laughs) A real sharp turn, and he pretty much uh, offers her stay and live with him and, um, you know, be a couple, pretty much. I'm I'm not using his words, obviously, but that's the gist of it. Um, he wants to be a couple. He wants her to move in. He wants to be partners, and um, it's a very appealing thought. He's a wealthy man. She wouldn't have to worry about anything that's kind of the pitch he's also giving her and then the sharp turn comes when he insults her he says to her that she reminds him the kind cleaning lady at his boarding school who was kind to him when he was getting bullied and she i guess took him under her wing And uh, when she saw that he was being bullied uh, in his childhood, the fact that she reminds him of the cleaning lady and this sets her off in, I think probably in thoughts towards that. This is someone who doesn't want me for me. It's this is someone who wants me because I am serving some purpose as opposed to having her in his life for love. You know, she wants to be loved, much like all of us do. But she doesn't want to be used as a tool. She wants to be seen and she wants to be valued for who she is and not just used as a security blanket for someone else. She abruptly leaves after that. You know, you can understand she doesn't want to be anyone's doormat anymore and she was really feeling that. Her clients that she was having, there's a a younger client who I didn't mention in the beginning, but she's kind of friends with this this other client that she has. This isn't the the client that I mentioned before who refused to pay her. It's a younger girl who takes a lot of advice and is always asking and kind of asking, asking, asking from Mrs. Harris. And Mrs. Harris is giving, giving, giving with this one because she, you know, she feels a friendship with her and she's a giving person. But, you know, she's kind of realizing that she hasn't been, she's been letting people treat her in a way that is mostly just used as a tool or a doormat. I think she realizes that and she wants to live her life with more purpose and more pride and self-worth. And that is something that can take a very long time for anyone to realize. A real big key point, I think, to why I feel like this is a very inspirational uh, movie and a feel-good movie. Because You know, we all kind of need that inspiration to lift ourselves up and be the person that we know we can be. We can still lead with kindness, but we don't have to uh, be a doormat for people. We don't have to be the kind of person who is a target to be someone's tool to be taken advantage of. We can still be kind, but we don't have to be those other things as well. I think that's why I really... Really love this movie. Sadly, Mrs. Harris has to learn this lesson one last time before the movie ends, and just to really remind her of her path to fulfillment within herself. So she ends up getting the dress and she goes, flies back home. Everyone's very happy for her and impressed with her. Her friend, uh, Vi, and Archie, I think I said before, Vi is played by the actress Ellen Thomas. And Archie is played by the actor Jason Isaacs, um, who I've I've seen in many different uh, movies over the years. Uh, the Marquis is played by uh, Lambert Wilson, another person I've seen in many movies over the years. The um, shop director, the mean shop director. is uh, played by Isabel uh, Hubbard and she does a wonderful job in this movie. Uh, as well, as they all do. It's really well acted. Everyone does such a great job. So as I mentioned before, Mrs. Harris has to learn this lesson one last time. And the younger uh, client that I mentioned earlier, her name is Pamela, played by the actress Rose Williams. Pamela is the, the younger client that Mrs. Harris has, who she cleans house her house for. Pamela is an aspiring actress. And she has to go to this event. And she doesn't have anything to wear. You know, she comes to Mrs. Harris as she does with most of her problems. uh, It seems like, or is implied in the movie. uh, That she has nothing to wear and she just doesn't know what she's going to do. So kindly, Mrs. Harris allows uh, Pamela to borrow her dress. Pamela, she has a and not very re- responsible vibe <laughs> about her. Someone who's kind of selfish, just very self self-centered and selfish pretty much. She wears Mrs. Harris's dress that she just got brought back from Paris to um the event that she had. She's going to be meeting a lot of big wigs and hopefully she's able to find an acting gig and whatnot. So She's being her giggly self at the event and is being careless. Uh, She's posing for pictures and things like that. And somehow she lights the dress on fire and uh, it becomes a big spectacle. And uh, she eventually gets the the dress out uh, as far as the, the fire gets put out. Um, But the dress is ruined and uh, Mrs. Harris learns of this and is just completely devastated. Realizes that, um, you know, she needs to recognize the people in her life who truly care for her and not the people that just want to continually take from her. That's, at least that's what my perspective is on it. So she is saddened by this, but luckily the wonderful people at Dior, see this in the news. Uh, the news comes all the way to Paris. The shop workers and even, surprisingly, the shop director, Claudine, they rally together and they send her another dress. You know, Mrs. Harris can't can't believe it. <laughs> she, uh, once again, her dream is realized and all the work, hard work that she put into getting that dream was not, after all, lost. She goes to an event. Um, it's an event that her friends are at. There's going to, it's at the local social club, I believe. It's uh, a dance of some sort. And so she, she shows up and she seems to arrive fashionably late, which, you know, gotta make an entrance, especially in a Dior gown. But this is 1957. They had those kind of social clubs and dances back in those days, which I love. I kind of wish that was still kind of a thing today. Anyway, she dances with her friend uh, Archie. The, the sparks uh, once again fly between them. He invites her out on the dance floor and uh, she is, you can, she's beaming. She's just so happy. And Archie says to her that she is beautiful and always has been. You can't help but kind of juxtapose that to what the Marquis was telling her. You know, someone who sees her for her, not as someone who is a tool to lift them up, but to walk side by side as equals. Someone who has, has seen her beauty in her as a person, Um, someone who just really sees her for her, and that's what she has been wanting and needing, and I think it's it's a beautiful ending. So this is kind of a spoiler. I did say that there was going to be some spoilers, so hopefully it's not bad, but I do encourage you, if you haven't already seen the the movie you really should it's a great film if you need a feel good movie that's not a christmas movie right now <laughs> there's plenty of really great uh christmas feel good movies but if you want one that isn't christmas themed you know takes place in europe this is definitely the way to go it's it's a good one you can watch it with your family i just i loved it i watched it by myself but <laughs> It's not really a movie my husband would enjoy, but um him and I have different tastes sometimes but i I enjoy a wide range of films as you'll uh quickly learn so anyways, I want to hear from you and uh your thoughts uh, about the movie, so please, please definitely send me an email or a voice memo. Um, that way I can play your voice memo on the podcast and and just tell me you know some of the themes that really resonated with you, and um you know, have there been times in your life where you've uh felt in the the same positions as Mrs. Harris as far as like things that we talked about having confidence and following your dream and are are you someone who? Needs more confidence in themselves to present themselves in a way to the world that you won't be someone who's who will be taken advantage of. You know, there's all kinds of themes to this movie that I think would, you know, again really resonate with people. And I'd love to hear your thoughts. Anything in your life that um, the movie reminded you of, and um, if you want to be anonymous, that's totally fine. Just uh, be sure to. Make a note of that in your email or your voice memo. Yeah, let me know. The email again is filmfollypodcast at gmail.com. And now on to the next segment, Actor of the Week. Okay, now for our Actor of the Week. The illustrious actor this week goes to Leslie Manville. Now, I will say... I do not intend to always have the actor of the week selection be determined by the movie of the week, but in this case, Leslie has been such an accomplished actor over the years, and I feel like she may not be as well known among the masses as she should, and I want to really point the spotlight on her this week. She's an English actress born in Brighton, East Sussex, on March 12, 1956. Uh, She started her career in 1974 In television with an episode appearance in Village Hall and Softly Softly Task Force. Also, she's had a long career in theater starting in 1978 and has been consistent through 2020. Her film career started in 1985 and has been pretty consistent through the years and up until currently. Roles you may have recognized her in might be Maleficent, 2014. Phantom Thread, 2017. Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, 2019. Let Him Go, 2020. The Crown, which is a television show, 2022 as Princess Margaret in the final two seasons. Now, I mentioned those films, and that's primarily because those are the ones I'm most familiar with. But Those are also mostly uh, American-released films, and she has had most of her career in uh, British roles. So I wanted to highlight some of her prominent roles that were released in Britain. Uh, They're also released uh, worldwide as, as well. Some prominent British roles she has had over the years, and I've been looking over her Uh, film career and her theater career and her television career. And she has been working very consistently ever since she started. So she's a very accomplished actress and is very prominent in her field. So um, the first film I wanted to point out is called Another Year, uh, which was released in 2010, which is a British comedy drama, and River, which is a six-part British television drama series. Mum which is a British sitcom, and she has several nominations and awards uh, for these films that I've mentioned in the television show. So Another Year um, has quite a lot of nominations. She's won five awards for it, one being for London Film Critics Circle Award for British, uh, Best British Actress of the Year, National Board of Review Awards for Best Actress, National Society of Film Critics Awards for Best Actress, San Diego Film Critics Society Award for Best Supporting Actress, and so on and so forth. She was nominated for a BAFTA Award for Best Actress in a Supporting Role. Um, And and again, there's there's many more for uh, the film Another Year. And that award season was in 2011, the movie, Another Year, came out in 2010. She was also nominated for the British Academy Television Award for Best Supporting Actress. Um, that was for River. Also for the British Academy Television Award for Best Female Comedy Performance. She has a nomination for Mum, which is that a uh, British sitcom. So she has quite a few awards and also nominations. Phantom Thread is also a film that came out, as many know, in 2017. And during the 2018 awards season, she was nominated. Eight nominations. Unfortunately, she didn't win for those nominations, but she did win the London Film Critics Circle Award for Supporting Actress of the Year for Phantom Thread. Yeah, she has Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress nomination, a nomination for a BAFTA Award for Best Actress in a Supporting Role, and so on and so forth for Phantom Thread. Now, recently, Leslie Manville has also been nominated for Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris for a Golden Globe Award for Best Actress in a motion picture, comedy or musical. So that's very exciting, especially, you know, for such a feel good film. As I mentioned many times previously, she has done an excellent job in this role, really showing many uh, different emotional sides of the character Mrs. Harris, the emotional journey she goes on in the film. I have a feeling, though, that the Golden Globe nomination is going to be a tricky one for her to win. She is also up against Margot Robbie in Babylon, Anya Taylor-Joy in The Menu, Emma Thompson for Good Luck to You, Leo Grand, Michelle Yeoh in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. So that is going to be very difficult uh, to win. (laughs) There's so many really good movies and actresses in this category. Michelle Yeoh is a wonderful longtime actress in the field. She uh, herself is very, very accomplished um, through her film career over the years. And then we have Anya Taylor-Joy, Margot Robbie, and Emma Thompson, who are also powerhouses in their own right. And I don't know, I kind of feel like Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris isn't what you would normally see as a nominated film. A lot of the time in the award season, movies that are nominated typically are very dramatic roles or a role in which you're representing a real-life figure in history or a kind of art house type uh, role, I would say. Um, something that's kind of out there and that you don't see all the time um, is doing some new things as far as story and subject matter and the way in which they film it. So when you have something like Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris, I'm happily excited that it is nominated because I think it's really a wonderful film, but you don't often see a feel-good film <laughs> like this that has a somewhat predictable ending. I mean, it's... The journey is really well worth it with the movie Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. And, you know, as the movie goes on, you can kind of tell where you're going to end up at the very end. It's not too much of a surprise, but you still have all the feel-good sensations when you get to the end of the movie. You don't feel like you've wasted your time. And you feel like the emotional exploration that Mrs. Harris goes on is well worth the journey um, to go along for that ride. So yeah, I mean, if Leslie Manville ends up winning uh, a Golden Globe for her role, then I'll be really happy about that. I I, I wouldn't be mad at it. So (laughs) so here's hoping we wish you all the luck and all the best. It's time for Hollywood News. (gasps) As many of you know, Henry Cavill will not be coming back to reprise his role as Superman. I was initially very excited to hear when James Gunn was signed on to take over the DC Universe. I'm still interested to see how it's going to be shaped, but I can't help but feel really disappointed and frustrated. I'm frustrated because we got to see Henry Cavill as Superman in the after credits of Black Adam making us all super excited that Henry is finally able to come back and reprise the role. I was overjoyed and excited to really get back into the DC world, but now it's like, let's pretend that didn't happen? If the audience feels like they're being taken for granted, they aren't going to show up for future films. I think the reason why people feel so strongly about Henry playing Superman Is because we see Henry as very dedicated and passionate about the character. I think he really gets it. He seems to really understand what the Superman character represents, at least from the interviews I've seen with him. There's a reason why Superman is the most iconic of all superheroes, because technically he's a being not of this world and has seen humanity at its best, but also its very worst. And yet, Superman chooses to remain and be the protector of humanity, of Earth. Because even with all our flaws, he sees the beauty of what humanity means and represents, not only just on Earth, but within the universe. Superman stands for what is right and good in the world. Henry appears to understand this about Superman and takes the role seriously, to champion the heart and spirit of what Superman represents not only within the U.S. but around the world. The Superman role has the capacity to inspire us to be better people in a time where this is very much needed. I've seen other actors play the Superman role in the past and these attributes of Superman may be written into the scripts, but it takes a special actor to translate it into the character where it actually touches our hearts and inspires better in us all. It seems to me that fans really love most of the casting of the DC Universe with Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman, Jason Momoa as Aquaman. Henry Cavill a Superman, and many others. What audiences have been wanting is smart and clever cohesiveness in their DC stories that creates a broader universe which has direction, not recasting actors that have successfully embodied these characters. In my mind, it's too early to move on from the actors in these roles. I wish the very best for Mr. Henry Cavill. He has made no secret over the years that he would love to come back a Superman, so I'm sure he is really, really frustrated and disappointed as well. I look forward to seeing what he does next. He seems to have several things in the works, along with his recent announcement that he'll be taking part in creating a Warhammer universe And he's an executive producer as well. In the immediate future, it appears he has a spy movie coming out called Argyle. I really loved him in The Man from U.N.C.L.E., which was a Guy Ritchie film where he played a secret CIA agent. So I'm sure he'll be fantastic in Argyle. Now, I've mentioned my feelings of frustration and disappointment about Henry being booted out of the Superman role. But again, I want to mention what Superman stands for, And if you're a fan of Superman, the character at all, you might see the irony in people's cruel attacking comments online about this news. It doesn't make sense to champion Superman and all that he represents while also being mean-spirited and cruel online. Let's have our initial feelings about the news, but move on and lead with kindness. We should honor the spirit of Superman by choosing to demonstrate what he represents through our actions. There is beauty in that, and that's what the world needs. Thank you for listening, my friends. I really appreciate it. I look forward to chatting with you very soon, so take care.